Hello, welcome to another lecture of Fallen Wisdom. This is a very important one. Every once in a while, there will come into your life a demon. Somebody that will make you doubt yourself. And somebody that will make you discouraged from doing and pursuing your goals. It will come in the form of, like, honest opinion or sometimes just a brutal fucking put-down. Basically just telling you you suck in so many words to the point where you're, like, discouraged from actually doing this thing you're doing. If you think that you're not good enough to do a certain thing and somebody has kind of convinced you of that, then you are already succumbing to that demon, and that demon is the person that told you that. Because there's just no way that you can't surpass even the greatest genius in your field starting today in the next couple of days if you just apply your brain. What we see as greatness in the artistic field is literally like five minutes of intense thinking, of intense focus, that people ride their whole entire billowing, non-conscious mind on. They just park it on that, and they live, they milk it for, their, for, for all of existence, okay? So you want to talk about all these great artists, they have these great songs, but then they let themselves go. If you want to be like, if you want to keep your body alive and you want to keep your mind alive, you have to be producing great art all the time. You have to be producing something that is great that people will be like, wow, that's fucking awesome. And it's like, it's not like something that you should think like, oh, shit, I got to do that. Like, oh, fuck. No, it's something that you're like, yeah, like, that's great. That's what life is about. Life is about creating great things and getting excited about it and doing it. And if you think that life isn't about that, then, yeah, life is fucking boring. Because otherwise it is. And so, of course, you can, you can kind of convince yourself if you're just kind of living your life as though you're in a waiting room, waiting for something to happen to you, killing time. You know, just using entertainment to fucking use up time like you would in a fucking prison cell. You're living your life in a prison cell walking around. What is that prison cell? That prison cell is your thought matrix. It's what's going on in your fucking head. It's like forms a prison around you. It's in a prison of anxiety. It's just as powerful as any uh, prison of bars. It's even worse. If you just had a prison of bars, you'll see how all those anxieties kind of go away and the bars become the only thing that matters. Remember that. When you're in a real prison, in the metal, you cannot get out of. Your body is in there. Nothing matters except the fucking bars, right? you got to get beyond those bars. Then you can think about all the other things that you have anxiety about, but until you get out of this fucking cage, you are, you're trapped, you can't do anything, and that is what your aimless mind is, it's a bloody cage, 
the cage that keeps you constantly feeling like you just got to wait. You just got to wait for this cage to open. You got to wait that somebody will come and open the door. And sometimes a chip will come along. You know, a cute girl. Cute guy, I don't know. Whatever, whatever sexual persuasion you have. A cute opposite of somebody that you... A cute somebody you want to fuck. Yeah, put it like that. Somebody will come in and, like, disrupt your whole flow. I mean, that's just part of the mating rituals to get you to notice her. But, like, in the meantime, like, there's all these other things they like to do. They like to... They like to sow doubt in yourself so they can gain kind of the upper hand. You can put them on a pedestal. And, and there's a power relationship there. It's a submissive versus... Uh, dominant power struggle and that can kind of fuck with your head a little bit and send you into spirals of self-doubt and that's just another form of letting your prison mind contain you anytime you have any kind of self-doubt it is part of this that there's no one to blame for. There's no, you can't say, oh, they, they, they did this to us. There's nothing's been done to us. This is just how we've, we've kind of just floated here as a species, given all that we're able to do while we're able to ruminate. The automatic pilot going on. We can sit there and, like, our minds can just dream away. And people are just living inside their dreams, their waking dreams. But there's dreams nonetheless. If you're thinking without intentionally thinking, you're, they say you're daydreaming. It really is a form of dreaming. You are in a dream. You are in a dream that you believe that there are certain realities going on in that dream. They are not realities. And the minute you wake up, you'll be so relieved that this stupid dream you've been dreaming is just a fucking dream. And you're like, oh, well, I, are you saying I won't have any of these problems? It's like, no. It's just that your problems aren't solved by dreaming. <laughs> your problems are solved by just tackling them head on when they come to you. Remember, next steps. Your problems are basically a series of steps, and you just have to know the next one you're going to take when the time comes. And then you're done thinking about that fucking problem. So all this stuff about self-doubt, where does that help you? Where does that get you? What step is self-doubt? It's not a step. It's, it's something that creates, like, keeps you from actually thinking about what the next step fucking is. And, yeah, what if the next step is a mistake? Your self-doubt is basically shouting that into your ear. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with us. Hey, you cannot go forward without, under, without mistaking, without making mistakes. You cannot. You cannot progress without making you cannot become more intelligent without making mistakes. Those who carefully craft their lives around being perfect and not, try, and not making any mistakes, they lose a lot of knowledge. They lose a lot of wisdom. Those that just go crazy and are reckless and use, make a lot of mistakes and aren't focused and aren't careful, they have their own problems. So there's a medium in between. But you should definitely be thinking about making a next step, give an educated guess, make it, and then, hey, if it wasn't the right step, it wasn't the right step. 
No big deal. That's life. Okay, what's the ang- where's the anxiety? It's like, oh, I, I, don't know if I, can ha- I don't know if I can handle that when that happens. Oh, no, I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. It's just like, what's your next step, bro? Figure it out and then just stop thinking. Because your mind needs to be empty, man. If you really want to take in this world, if you really want to live in a world where you're actually living in it instead of just fucking passing through and waiting, looking on your fucking phone while it passes you by, watching TV, man. Like, hey, nothing wrong with a good show, but like, Jesus Christ, man, we're just fucking killing ourselves with this shit. We're spending so much time. Now, you think about your future self. I'm sure your future self is going to be looking down on you and be like, you know, I wish you had watched a little more TV. I wish you had gotten a few more series under your belt. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I've watched so many fucking TV series that I don't even remember them anymore. My brain just says, you know what, these are like VCRs. You put them in, and they come out. And, like, there's nothing. They don't touch anything. So you're not, like, you're really putting yourself in a suspended animation if you're not completely focusing and allowing the entertainment to really uh, expand your mind on a certain level. But it's kind of hard to do that. You're basically just running a tape. And there are certain advantages to it that's good for you at some level. But it can't be the only thing. You have to be creative. You've got to be the one that's putting out stuff and you have to be, like, innovative in it, and you just have to pick a field. Like, hey, what are, what's it going to be? It doesn't have to be art. Art can be something for money. It can just be real estate, whatever you want to do. But it's got to be done. There's just no getting around it. But it doesn't matter. This is not like a tough conversation where you're like, yeah, I really got to get going. I got to do it. It should be easy. Because guess what? You're going to be fucking awesome if you just fucking do it. Whatever it is, eventually in a, in a fucking year, you'll be fucking killer. In a fucking couple weeks, you'll be killer. Now, what happens when, like, you get dumped? I mean, there's a lot of guys, they just lose their mind after they get dumped or something doesn't work with a woman. This is a major source of a lot of people's anxiety. You know, what if she doesn't what if she doesn't give me another chance? Many of you, I'm sure, have gotten to the point where you basically burned a bridge. You treated a chick like total shit. And then you got fell in love and you're like, Oh my god, I was I really love this woman, you know, and then like but it's too late. And so she's just like, you know what? Nah, I'm done with you. Like, you fucked me up. Like, I'm not going to use up the bad taste. So I'm done. And, like, I don't know if I could ever fucking fuck with you again. And it makes sense because you don't know why what happened. They don't think, as far as they know, you just basically punched them in the face. So how do you, if you abuse somebody emotionally, like, how do you ever get them back? And it's interesting because the goddess is the one that's punishing you for not being with somebody. The goddess is the one. The goddess is like, look, you're you don't deserve her. You were you were a an evil person to me, the goddess, through her. 
you're mean and you you coveted other goddesses instead of her. You treated her like you took her for granted. You treated her like actually like somebody that you knew, you, you know, like a sister that you've known for a long time, just like being a dick and like not, and being kind of, I don't know, just like dismissive and just like not listening and just like, just being a little bit like uh, aloof and to the point where it's a little bit abusive, but not to be like tremendously abusive. Now, chances are you probably did something much worse. Even if you did actually physically abuse a woman, women are like incredibly forgiving and so is the goddess. But you cannot be that morose person seeking forgiveness. You have to actually you have to bounce back and be the cool self, the cool, the cool guy that you were before all this. Until then, she's going to give you, you have to have a sustained period of that, a sustained period of just being totally fine with her rejecting you and not, and not even letting it really phase you, just continuing to talk to her as though she's your girlfriend. And making her, and, and, and continually receiving rejection for as long as it takes. You're in it for the long haul, right? So you're just going to do that. And you can do it. I mean, if you, you're going to take a lot of shit. You're going to take, like, all the shit you gave her and more. But the goddess would be so impressed with how you handle rejection. That's one of the things that impresses your deity more than ever, is watching you get rejected and watching you react well to it. React in a way that trusts, trust God. Trust the goddess. If this is what the goddess wants for you, then yes, the goddess will give this to you and like you will take it. And if you want the goddess back in the form of your ex-girlfriend or in the form of any other woman, the only way you're going to get her back is not by begging and writing letters and not by doing anything of that sort, but by being super cool in her presence, being super chill and being funny and being yourself, not a lost soul that wants her back, not somebody who's really sorry. That's a fucking drag, man. Not some mushy fucking ass who want, who's all serious about wanting her back. No, you have to be playful. You have to be sexy. You have to actually turn her the fuck on. And so it's a, it's a, it's a delicate thing because you still have to be kind of assertive, but you can't be too assertive. And you, but you, at the same time, you have to be taking in all this rejection and not letting it get to you. There's going to be a lot of Sometimes when you have a, you, I'm sure you've encountered it, maybe you have a good relationship with your woman, and like, but she just gets in a bad mood. And the worst thing to do is try to coax it out or just be like, 
what the hell is going on? Like, what's wrong? Like, just kind of live with it and understand what it is and don't react to it. Don't fucking let it get you angry. But you can just kind of understand what it is. It's, it's, it's the same thing that happens inside of you if you let your mind wander. And that's what's happened to this poor woman. And she is in the midst of a bad dream. Whenever you find somebody in a bad mood, they're in a bad dream. And you want to just wake them up by telling them that they're in a bad dream. It doesn't work. They can never be talked into a good mood, ever. That's the fucked up thing. Unless they want to talk. So any time anyone's in a bad mood, you just take You just sit there and take it because almost 99 out of 100 they flip and realize what dicks they're being very quickly and they apologize and you guys become best friends like most friendships sadly are formed this way through like some kind of negativity and then like all of a sudden like they're the best of friends it's like this weird snapback so you are, have to facilitate that, and that's what the Christ message is all about, about turning the other cheek. It's just like, don't, don't challenge people. Don't fight with people. That's why it's like uh, the, the story where Jesus like, overturns the tables in the, in the uh, church, like the money changers. Like, I think that was probably more just like a private dispute. Him getting swindled, maybe? More than it was him getting angry at the whole monetary system. Or that the money was being exchanged in the church. Because churches need money, let's face it. They're still taking in money today, so... However mechanism they use, I don't think it's unholy in any way. And I don't think he thought that either. Okay. What's so interesting about the Jesus story is that it's a story of immortality. It's a story of a man who lives forever and still probably lives to this day. He just figured out how. And he was trying to tell everybody about everlasting life. He was trying to tell them, look, man, all all you have to do is just let everything go. Stop using your mind. Use Use your eyes, use your ears. Your mind is a calculator. Stop running calculations through it unless you don't, unless you want to. Sorry, my phone. I have to do this hands-free on speaker while driving. So it's, uh, my phone keeps falling down off my steering wheel. <laughs> Not that you needed to know that. But think about that. Like, you don't need it. I don't even remember what I was talking about. It'll come to me in a second. I'm channeling this shit. 
Yeah. Jesus. So this motherfucker, he comes and he figures it out. That's why it was such a momentous event that he came. Everybody knew about the outcome. You'll die here, but you'll live on in another realm in heaven with me and my father. No. What he's talking about is corporealism. Is is that he's saying basically, yes, I'm the son of God. I'm the son of man. He kind of used the term son of man, which is a weird kind of... I don't even know what that means. I I think it just means I'm a man who actually is now understanding my true God source. And he understands that he is a God on earth inside this body. And that if he wants this body, if he wants everlasting life in this body, well, very simple. Be like 100% good Never do any kind of thing that you think is shady. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is. It's like, help other people. Don't, don't be selfish. But at the same time, don't be overindulgent to the point where you're crippling somebody. It's very important to maintain a balance. You are like everybody's God more than you are like their equal. Because you realize you're a God you're superior to the ones who don't. I mean, it's not, it's nothing like a higher, it's not like you're, you're pulling right. It's just, you are superior in the sense that you are responsible for them because they're stupid and you're smart. And so they're, they become the children and you become the parents. So once you realize you're God, you have to be good. It's just that otherwise the universe gets very angry and the, the, the goddess, which is basically like, you can think of her like a chick that is helping you out on top while you're in this virtual reality, giving you little signals and giving you power when you do the right thing to lead you through the game. So this there is some what what they did was they, they implanted us here and then they they gave certain like admin powers to the higher beings who stayed up there. So, like, we're down here with a tether to the higher world. We're not here just, like, dropped into the physical world. Some have cut the tether off. Maybe that's what happened with Lucifer. I don't know. I'm trying to help them out. I'm trying to get him out of here. Help him to, uh, to tether him back because I got a message from Lucifer that he wants back into heaven. Yeah. He wants back in. So how do we get him back? That's the question. Because these Lucifer-like figures that come about, these kind of fascists, they are uh, they're embodying him. They're embodying the spirit of rebellion. And there's, there's something very seductive in it. Even, even rebelling against God. Now, initially, God rebelled against humans. God was not happy that 
Lucifer, and I think maybe other angels, like, conducted this experiment. The goddess saw all this pain and suffering in this physical realm and found that there's too much. But she was finally understood that all this pain is just, it's just temporary. It's just a way of learning. It's just a way of coming to terms with this new medium, this new way of being a physical, a spiritual being in the physical world. Pain is, pain is temporary. There's no, like, you don't live in, like, agonizing fires of hell, okay? You might burn in a fucking fire, and that sucks. But it's over at a certain point, and then you you move into the parallel universe where you took a different path. And that's everybody's, that's what everybody's existing, how they're existing. Now, Jesus was like, he was communicating the physical body. The physical body does not need to die. And he, he showed that by escaping from the tomb that he was in. His body was gone. At least one of the Gospels. And when he was when he was uh, approached by his disciples and one of them actually put their hand on his wound, in his wound, to see that it was actually the real Jesus and it wasn't just some hallucination that they had taken after they had ingested some mushrooms. So the Jesus event was very significant because it was, it was proving immortality. But then it got kind of contorted into this another version of an afterlife religion which was kind of like a very common fad after Jesus because they they really couldn't like come to terms with what he was saying they didn't really believe it none of them none of them really understood this and why because there was so much death around People couldn't understand, you know, they, they couldn't conceive of being a good person completely, being a pure saint, and at the same time, being a, a, a good, firm parent to the people that, that, that that's the dichotomy, and also being joyous. Like, they didn't, they didn't pick up on that idea, too, because, like, I don't know if he if he preached it very intensely. I don't know. He said something. There is something about the daisies and how they just kind of like live their lives and they don't think about tomorrow or the next day. So he does want to take you out of time. He is trying to get you to see that everlasting life exists inside of this reality, in this now, it exists. And it, and it can exist nowhere else. So stop thinking about it. And just absorb yourself into this. In, in any way you can. And one of the best ways to do it 
is by doing some kind of artistic endeavor. These are all the things that will occupy the much daydreaming. of trying to come up with what it is to be a good person. Like, they've tried to define that, you know, that Kant tried to define it as the categorical comparative. Basically, if you can't logically, um, if you can't logically think of this thing to its extreme without the whole system falling apart, then a bad thing. I mean, he came up with a formula for it. It's just basically like, well, if everybody stole everybody else's property, there would be no property, there would be, before there would be no theft. It's kind of like this contradiction. And so therefore, stealing must be wrong. But when you're in the bliss state, you just don't see them. You don't see the points. The thing that stops you from doing it is being I found it out. Here it is. And I, I came to that realization years and years and years ago. And I just kept telling it to people, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Immortality, whatever. Like, They'll give me some Petri dish, and they'll be like, well, they've shown that you can't replicate cells forever. Eventually, they break down. That's scientifically shown. Again, sowing self-doubt, right? Sowing doubt about the, the, the idea that human beings can figure out a way to stay immortal. 
Isn't that the goal of medical science? I, mean, I, I remember I got mad. There was a, a radio show on, and there was this, that Dr. Weil, and he had this book that was like, How to Grow Old Gracefully. Now, never mind that I, I, I kind of, I thought Dr. Weil, I would have a little more, like, brain power because he took a lot of acid, I understood, when he was a younger guy, and he was, he was kind of a, a freaked out dude. And so you think he gained some wisdom from these hallucinogens. But no, he's just talking about, yeah, you're, eventually your bones are going to start being brittle. So this is what you should, this is the kind of exercise you should do. And like, and, and yeah, like do this like kind of soft thing. And then, you know, do the girl push-ups instead of the real push-ups. And just like everything like that. It's just like, wow, dude. Like you're just trying to fucking, are you, are you on the team of people that just want to usher people into their graves? You know, it, it, it was, I called, I confronted him on air. It was funny. It was him and Mark Marin. And Mark Marin was doing like a morning show and this guy was on. And I call in and I'm like, listen, I, I, I think this guy's totally off base. I mean, I think the goal of medical science is to prolong the, is to make the human being not die ever. And that aging is not natural. Aging is a decay. And I think that, you know, we should be, be able to live up to a thousand, more, over a thousand years. <laughs> and then, like, Mark uh, Marin types in, he's like, yeah, but, you know, like, I'm just kind of concerned about what my skin would look like after that long. <laughs> that kind of hung up on me, and that was it. But the guy vehemently disagreed, said the aging is totally natural. And it's like, yeah, I mean, disease is natural. Decay is natural. That doesn't mean we have to engage it. We don't have to get it. We have to take it. Mold is natural. Does that mean I have to get mold on my ass? So whatever is natural, I don't care. Not natural. That's kind of not what I really wanted to discuss. I wanted to discuss what the goal of life is. And we're put here to figure this out. We're here to put... We're like a bunch of mathematicians that have been launched onto a planet and been like figuring out how to be immortal. And most of us are just like, just took the the fucking thing hook, line, and sinker, and just like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'll never be immortal. It's just it's ridiculous. Like you just fucking, you never, you need, it's just you accept it. Yeah, it's like accept death. You know, it's like no. And they're like, well, what about you? You see all these, all these people dead, right? All this dead, all these dead, a lot of dead bodies. We're standing on top of a lot of dead, dead people. What, what are we doing? Like, how, how do we justify that? Where are they? Where did they go? Well, I've talked about the parallel world thesis and the idea that, like, everybody that's ever died has gone to a parallel world in which they're alive. So there exists on some parallel worlds a very high-level one, probably resembling the sun, where we are all living immortally. Maybe we become the sun, we become part of the sun planet instead of this planet when we get into that world. I mean, I'm, I'm experimenting with that thought process, the ray of creation that... It was started by Gurdjieff and then Ospensky kind of 
took it on. And it's just this idea that we're in, di- like, the, the, the different spheres are representing different levels of existence. And so there's a, there's a much bigger sun, for example, that the sun is orbiting around. And that that sun is, is the, has even higher beings on it. And the, we're a, a certain level of being, we're on the earth, and there's a low-level being on the, the moon that is kind of revolving around us. That all of these spheres are of living organisms creating this, um, this field where people kind of, they can ascend to. You, so you ascend, essentially. You may have sort of ascended from the moon to here, and now you're here. And I'm saying you can ascend from here to the sun. And from the sun, you can ascend to the higher sun, the sun that the sun revolves around. And that sun is also revolving around another sun. And up the ray. So that's kind of exactly how you're going up the levels. And the only way to get up there is to just get in the bliss state, breathe very deeply, become a saint, and then you start to live among the immortals. And you'll start to see what, what will happen is that you'll start to see that technology will eventually, like in your, life, in your shorter lifetime, in, your, in the next 10 years, they will have figured out how to, everybody's going to become immortal. Everybody. And they'll just let people know, and then it'll, it'll like totally change. It'll be like the most significant change that has ever occurred. Every, you know, there'll be a lot of planning to have to explore other parts of the universe because we can't all exist on this one planet. There'll be severe um, curbing of the population, of, popu- of, of births. It will not want people to have births. So they're, just, they're basically going to cut off births for a while until they can figure out the space travel. Think it for me, man. I've been to the future. That's what I was talking about on the last show. Like, I actually got a lot of information once I beamed myself into the future. So you just think about what the, the kind of stuff that they would have invented, and they did. And they figured that out. But how did they, how did they get people into the bliss state um, so that they're immortal? Yeah, they gave them a drug. They, they basically figured out a way to manufacture the bliss state in the drug. And, you know, we, we who have, you know, and they call it the circle of serenity. We, the people who have, actually had to accomplish the bliss state out of like tremendous anxiety we believe there's a little bit of um, atrophy going on and we don't believe that this there there might be some problems but we have our doubts but as of now it's working it's working okay they gave everybody us some kind of but they just slipped it into the water I'm just I'm making up science fiction actually I don't I think if everybody is in a truly, truly bliss state, it won't be something artificial. I just don't know exactly how they got there. And it may have just been, like, completely normal means. And just through teaching. Through teaching the, the, the lectures of fallen wisdom and, like, you know, starting in kindergarten and just getting kids to stop uh, using their mind when it's not being... Taking... Letting their mind run when it's not on, inside their their mind. 
So eventually you you will you will arrive obviously with the rest of the world. Like so you're like, Oh yeah, I'll be immortal, but what about all my loved ones? Like they will come with you. You don't actually need to actually preach to them either. I think it's actually a mistake too. Because you, it starts to sound like a broken record. Just be, you know, you can state your theory and then just kind of like leave it at that. But trying to talk about it more is, it's not useful. Like I often annoy my wife about it. She's like, yeah, yeah, mortal, mortal, mortal. He used to be very concerned about like, what if I'm wrong? And the point is, like, yeah, like, you could be wrong, but, like, it's, it's not, that's, that's not why you're here. You're here to figure out how to be right. And Jesus was very fucking wise about that. Like, he was the one he knew. And that's why I, I really don't believe that he ever died. Because he figured it out. And then he just went into, I think he just went into hiding. After they first tried to kill him, He's just like, yo, fuck this. Maybe it's me. Maybe. Maybe I have amnesia. There's also the, the, the chance that he was murdered. But he was but it doesn't because of the people couldn't really take that that kind of truth. It was just too much. When you think about anybody preaching that, nobody really preaches that. Most people are just preaching, like, you know, just different forms of Christianity, but they're not, they really haven't, like, looked at what the true teaching of Jesus was. Paul completely misinterpreted. Paul was like, oh yeah, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. And that's then you're done. Faith. Believe that Jesus was the fucking son of God and then everything's fine. I guess if it if it creates the bliss state in you to believe that, maybe that maybe that is there's some kind of key there. Maybe that that's all that needs to be done. I just don't think it works like that for most people. Most people, like, believe in Jesus, but they're fucking miserable. Well, here's a way to believe in him. As a man, he conquered it, he won, figured it out, and then tried to tell people and got killed for it. Nonetheless, you are here to do great things. You are here to, like, Give a, give the impress the goddess with your prowess. Impress the goddess with your your sharpness, your your your, your great humor, your 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 personality. It has to be like so compelling and fun. You can't be withdrawn. You have to be activated. You have to fucking talk to people. Don't let them just don't just sit there at a table and just be like whatever. Done. I'll talk to him. 
up. Talk to them now. Talk to everybody. Don't be a wallflower. Show your charisma. So if you want to get somebody back that you hurt, you got to be fun. you got to be a good time. And if, if you want to be, um, you know, monogamy, that, that's really the last thing I wanted to talk about is monogamy. It's tough for a man. I'm sure it's tough for a woman, too, to some extent. I think some women, though, just kind of like, there's more of a natural fit there. Uh, they can kind of convince themselves, I think, a little easier than, like, a, a virile man who just sees all this, like, beauty around him and, like, wants to stick a dick in it. I just want you to... Because that can... You know, that the, the being a man thing and, like, having to resist certain temptations and having to deny yourself of certain things that you feel that you're like have a, have a lot of lust for it, that, that creates some serious negativity inside of you some serious like consternation from your from your molecules if you really want to like bang some chick and you can't because <laughs> you're married because it just wouldn't be appropriate or whatever well, that that creates a lot of, like, negative ripples in your mind. And, like, it, it sucks. It's not fun. And you have to understand, like, your lust is completely tied to your self-esteem. The more lust you have for a woman, the lower your self-esteem in that moment. That's all it is. It's amazing. So just treat it like that. Just be like, why is, and why is your self-esteem low? Because you're not doing things that would impress you as the goddess, would impress the goddess. You're not doing impressive things. You're kind of just like getting yourself off, eating something. You know, you're giving yourself pleasure at periodic moments, but you're not creating anything positive. You're, you're, you're getting shut down. You're getting put in a dormant state. And so the lust is there to get you out of it. The lust is there to show you, hey, guess what? You can have her. You can have all of them. Like, people are like, well, you know, I'm just not naturally a monogamous person. Well, guess what? This is kind of a heavy thing, but bear with me here. If you become a great enough man, that monogamy thing is going to take care of itself. If you don't like it, it's going to take care of itself. If you don't want it, if you'd rather have polygamy, You can have it, but you have to be, like, such a saint for that one. That's the thing. That's what people don't get. Like, they get this image of, like, a porn star. (laughs) That's not what it is, buddy. 
it's like a loving thing. It's like you have a threesome with like two chicks, three chicks who love you. It's not some lustful like porn. Okay, that shit. That shit is just ugly. People do that shit. The hot people, they get into it like on a higher level, like a spiritual level. But you have to be such a fucking exceptional person to be like offered something like that. And I guarantee you, even your super monogamous wife will eventually agree to it because. You're such a great man. You're such, you just, you, you're, you, I mean, you have to be a great man. You can't just be like some normal dude. You have to be creating awesome things. Like a great artist, a great painter, a great fucking mathematician, whatever. Like Einstein, you know, I'm sure he had plenty of fucking threesomes, man. Like he just got thrown into them. Probably one with Marilyn Monroe or somebody. So this whole monogamy thing, like, yeah, it's like, it's kind of a drag. It's it's something that, like, it's the curse of, like, the middle class, like, ordinary man, for sure. And until you're, until you become extraordinary, you really can't ask, ask to have that. It's like, the goddess won't, won't give it to you. The goddess is just like, you know what, like, why should I give you a threesome? You know, you try to buy one using, like, $1,000 hookers, like, yeah, it's going to be a lame scene, dude. Believe me. That's not the way to get it. But you can get it. That's a, that's some high-level shit, like, but it's, like, you have to be so positive and such an uplift state and so, like, creating great art and, like, just be such a high-level being that it will become something that's, like, oh, of course, so that's where that's the whole monogamy thing so don't like sweat it like you might think like oh you know like I yes I love my wife I think she's gorgeous but like you know I'm I want variety I'm a man that you can use that I mean that should be your motivation to like become a great man because only a great man like gets to have something like that and the ones who come about it through some luck on their part, it's a curse. If you get that some, some kind of thing going like that and you don't deserve it, it's a curse. It's not actually something that is going to help you out. It's going to mess you up. So you have to watch out for that too. You know, some of these things are a curse in disguise. You have to be very careful that it's like everybody involved is really high level. And then you have to ask yourself very quickly, like, do I deserve something like this? I mean, hey, if you get offered a threesome, I, I wouldn't say, hey, I do not deserve this, so therefore I won't do it. You'll do it, but just be, be careful of the consequences. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, especially if you know you don't deserve it, okay? Because <laughs> that's that's really the thing there that you're going to have some issues with. But you will, if you can, you can make yourself deserve it. And so you're never trapped. You're never trapped in monogamy. It's a, it's a, it's a resting place and it's a good resting place for you to like get your stuff done. 
because if you're just chasing ass here and there, after a while, that you'll you're you're not you're you're gonna just be an ass chaser. And guess what? The goddess doesn't like that either. And you got to spend a lot of time. You got to put a lot of time in to chase ass. And it's better to put time in your craft. The ass will come. <laughs> you build it. So this is a little addendum on that one, but like it's it's important. And like if, you know, if you're in a situation where you've been dumped and you want this woman back, like you have all this time now to like create and become a great man. It's so great, man. I envy you. I envy you. Huge. I envy you. You know, out there, get laid. Have a good time. You know? But I'm just saying, I envy people who, like, are single. And people are, like, single, and they're like, oh, I just want a girlfriend. It's like nobody is happy where they are. And my point is, like, look, like, use each time that you have. Like, if you have a long-term girlfriend, you gives you some good time because you can kind of like take your time and do stuff you know you have a loyal girl and she's like you know she's not going to be fuck around and you're gonna you're you you'll be able to just put your head down and like do some good stuff if you're chasing around some bitch that's making your heart flutter it's going to be tough you're not going to be able to get much done and you're going to be like kind of like your whole mood is going to be dependent on how she treats you. And that happens to some people. And I'm going to talk about that in another show because I think this man-woman relation thing is something I, have to, I haven't yet really fully tackled on this show. Uh, if I have been writing about it at um, Advanced Macking on Instagram. And those are just principles that I've carried with me, man-woman principles that I've carried with me for some time that I learned just the hard way from. But there, there's some good stuff there, and if you want to read up more on it, as I, I'm going to probably go through those and talk a little bit about each one of them, because that's a major thing, like, to try to maintain the bliss state is, like, dealing with your Whoever it is that you're dealing with, it could be a man, a woman, if you're, you know, it doesn't matter what, it's just when you're dealing in the realm of desire and sex and emotion and coupling and threesomes, <laughs> well then, you must, uh, you, you know, you, 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 need the, you need to know the rules. And they, they I, these are some hard-fought rules that I've that I've come by. All right, I've done a long time talking real aimless crap. Thank you for listening. No, but this is real. Keep your mind on your breathing. Remember the fucking five breaths, okay? Through your nose. Four sets. The last breath of each set. The fifth breath. A long breath. Get, try to get through four sets, man. Like, you guarantee your mind will fucking wander. And if they don't, then you'll turn into a fucking demigod. And then eventually back into a god, this time with a physical body. 